Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Leadership Biz Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Tanvi Nasir, CEO of Tanvi Nasir Leadership. Looking for a keynote speaker or corporate trainer for your next event? Then visit our company's website at tanvinasir.com to find out how we can bring invaluable insights and practical tools to help your organization succeed in achieving its goals. And this episode is sponsored by GoCo. Growing your business is exciting, but hiring and onboarding new employees can be overwhelming, not to mention costly if things go wrong. Thankfully, GoCo can help you with this by automating and streamlining everything you have to do to support your growing team. You can customize the GoCo platform to support your existing processes, documents, and policies. And they provide you with a dedicated customer success manager to help you maximize the benefits you derive from their platform. And the best part is that you can try it for free with no credit card needed. So go to goco.io slash leadership. That's G-O-C-O dot I-O slash leadership to get started. And with that, let's meet my guest for this episode, David Osborne. If you can think about the new social contract, which is really around employees wanting their employers to take care of them and, and, and care about them and invest in them, uh, health and well-being is is candidly the low-hanging fruit. There's a common understanding that to truly succeed at leadership, we need to ensure we're creating a workplace environment that allows our employees to bring their best efforts to the work they do. But what about your employees' overall sense of health and well-being? Are you putting into place measures to address this? And perhaps more importantly, should you? That's the focus of my conversation today with Virgin Pulse CEO, David Osborne. As CEO of the world's largest, most comprehensive digital health and well-being provider, David is responsible for optimizing and scaling Virgin Pulse as the company continues an aggressive growth strategy. David joined Virgin Pulse as Chief Operating Officer in 2016, following the company's acquisitions of GCC and ShapeUp. As CEO, he has accelerated Virgin Pulse's growth and expansion with several successful mergers and acquisitions, all aimed at simplifying and improving the health and well-being journey. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Now, David, before we talk about why employee health and wellness should be a key focus for leaders, I'd like to start by discussing the exponential growth your company, Virgin Pulse, has had, especially through various mergers and acquisitions, which I believe you've had seven. Is that correct? Yeah, we've put seven companies together in the last year and a half. Okay, perfect. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to start off with this is because merging existing companies with your own presents in itself unique challenges, not just in terms of harmonizing processes across these new companies or divisions, but also in terms of the organizational culture. So I'd love to hear from you, David. How do you go about transforming the culture of a group that had its own way of doing things, its own value set and focus, and bring it into alignment with the parent organization in a way where these new employees of yours want to embrace this change? Yeah, sure. Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? We, when you buy a company, and, and as you said, we bought seven now, you have to integrate process, you have to integrate product, back office, and so forth, but you also have to integrate the people. And uh, one of the challenges that we've had is, is often, you know, you buy a company that's a little smaller in nature that has a great vision or mission, which is, in our case, it's changed lives for good. And uh, often some of the cultures don't realize that you also have to be, you know, profitable. Um, and then so when you start to to bring companies together it, and you, when you do that, you obviously you have to maximize revenue synergies and cost synergies. That's that's really the success of M&A. But 
um, getting people through that culture change of, hey, you know, we are now a bigger company and we have to be profitable because, you know, EBITDA or profit is not a bad word, right? And the more the more you have, the more you can spend internally uh, on people and the more you can spend uh, on innovation and product and so forth. So uh, it's really this concept of almost taking a, a, a nonprofit business and turning it into a profit business and, and helping people bridge that what I would say maybe uncomfortableness as as they go through that that concept and and we have a playbook obviously that that we deploy when when we buy companies and, and we're quite good at it and we do it fast and the and the thesis behind it is is rip the bandaid off and and don't you know just don't take your time with it the the quicker you can do it the better and the quicker you tell everybody the story uh, about what's going on the new company vision and culture and so forth. Um, the faster the faster they go and and they hear the story from you versus you know creating their own narrative which which often can be uh, the wrong one so you know we we put a lot of focus on uh, over communicating to the employees uh, helping them understand you know what our vision is and what we're trying to accomplish and at the end of the day you know health and well-being and what we're up to is is really about changing lives for good so that that you know vision if you will regardless of of if we're profitable or not, doesn't really change. And we try to hit that home as best we can. Um, and we do a lot of things really around um, helping with their culture and helping kind of onboard them onto our culture, really around you know career and, and talent management and learning and development and um, all kinds of things like that. So uh, it's helpful when you, when you already know what you're doing and you know where you're going. And, and we really try and focus uh, everybody that's new to the organization via acquisition on hey, we're still the same company as far as changing lives for good. And in fact, we have even more lives that we're changing around the world now, which is, which is exciting. Uh, exciting, and, and the momentum around it is, is you know, thrilling for everybody because most, most people in this business or in this, in this work that, that health and well-being, um, they really thrive on doing good to some degree, which, which is exciting. And um, the, the one benefit we have when we do buy companies in this space is culturally, uh, a lot of the companies that we acquire, the people that have that kind of backbone, right? They want to change lives for good or want to help people or, or do something other than just, you know, show up for work and, uh, you know, punch a clock. So, Absolutely. And, you know, there's two things you were bringing up that I really took note of, and that was that you have this idea of a playbook that you use to integrate these companies and bring people in along this vision that you have as well as that idea of the story that you want them to have a consistent story. And I think this is, it's going to come up, I think, in our conversation when we talk about this importance of wellness and overall health. That's why I wanted to start with this conversation of the focus of your company's growth, because it does, I think it does set the stage for us to discuss why it's important for companies to be promoting employee wellness and overall health, because I think asking leaders to take on that challenge in their own organizations is in itself a big change in both mindset and focus, which is obviously what you've had to do with all these organizations, these seven companies that you've integrated into your own. But before we get into that, let's start with the first question, which is really, why would this be something or why is this something leaders need to be putting on their radar, especially when we consider all the other demands being made on their attention resources? Why should they be really considering employee wellness and overall health? As to your point, to moving from being maybe not profitable, or maybe you are profitable, but how this can actually improve your profitability? Sure, I think. Um, well, I think it's our view is 
healthier people are just happier in general, right? And you show up for work um, kind of ready to perform at your peak. And and um, we all know that when you're healthier, you just, you're just you more engaged at work. And we're dealing with a, a couple of problems uh, in the industry today. One is uh, rising healthcare costs. Uh, we all know that it's uh, out of control and, and we have employees taking uh, more and more employees picking the high deductible plan uh, within their insurer. And, and that's kind of basically rolling the dice on, on their financial well-being, essentially. So you've got higher uh, rising healthcare costs coupled with um, the lowest employee engagement rate uh, the country's probably ever seen. 70% of the workforce is not engaged at work. So it's a dual problem that we're trying to solve right now. Uh, and it's an employee market, right? We have had We have the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. So when you add all those three things up, health and well-being now becomes very important in organizations, and and I think leaders need to think um, think about that. And you know, if you can think about the new social contract, which is really around employees wanting their employers to take care of them and 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 care about them and invest in them, uh, health and well-being is is candidly the low-hanging fruit, right? Offer them up a opportunity to be to be healthy. And and when we think about health and well-being, it's it's not just the marathon runners are tracking your activity. Activity is a big part of it, but it's also let's let's look at how you're how you're sleeping at night. Let's look at mental resilience, financial wellness, nutrition. Um, you know, we can go on and on. So, offering up something like that to the employees um, to allow them to personalize it, which is what we do, and, and focus on things that are important to them uh, at that particular time in their life, and and just allowing them to just be healthier and happier, and and show up for work ready to perform at their peak. What we're seeing is that when you do that. The employees that take part of the program are are way more engaged at work, and their engagement scores are higher, and you know absenteeism is lower, and attrition rates are lower, and so forth. So there's there's definitely a, a huge benefit from a business perspective, uh, as well as a benefit for the employees. Right, and just to add to your point, uh, I just read there was a report that just came out a few days ago by CBI Scotland and KPMG, where they made the case that leaders should be addressing the physical and mental health of their employees as being key to boosting productivity and how boosting productivity wouldn't just benefit the organizations, but it would also benefit employees as it would lead to higher value jobs and higher wages, which leads to increased consumer spending and consequently a stronger overall economy. So it seems, David, like there's a strong business case to be made both inside and outside a company's walls to make health and wellness a cornerstone to how your business operates. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's it's a waterfall effect, just like you've described. And if you think about, you know, Richard Branson started this company a, a long time ago, 14 years ago. And, and, and you know, his view on all his companies, by the way, is he takes care of his employees first uh, and foremost, because he knows if he does that, they'll take care of the business. So it's a it's a different type of thought process that that he brought to the table. And, and we follow that strategy, by the way. Uh, and like I said, one of the easiest ways to take care of your employees is is really to to invest heavily in, in health and well-being. You know, I think now we've probably made the case, okay, this is something that I should do and that it's important that I start focusing on. And it was interesting in the same report by CPI Scotland, they pointed out how one of the critical elements that they are looking to address over the upcoming years is the reality that most leaders don't really know how to go about improving health and wellness in the organization. And they offered, and I just wanted to share this with you to get your comments on it, David. They shared these following four steps as a place to start. They said that you should make health and wellness a leadership priority, that you take a proactive approach to early intervention, which I assume includes a greater wellness of mental health issues and creating a safe space for people to be open about their mental well-being. 
that you build an organizational culture that encourages health and well-being, and that you recognize the impact an employee's financial situation has on their health and well-being. In other words, if they are struggling financially, this is going to impact how effective they are on the job because they're bringing that home life stress to work. Now, David, as a CEO of a company whose focus is on health and wellness, how do we accomplish, let's start with that third step described in this report of creating that organizational culture that encourages health and wellness. I mean, I know your company has facilities that are designed to promote physical health as you have a walking track built into your floor plan and so forth. But how can other leaders not only start this process of making health and wellness a leadership priority, which is the first step that they suggest in the CBI Scotland report, but how can they also evaluate how effective they are in actually making an impact on their employees' well-being? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it starts from the top, right? Leaders need to invest in health and well-being, and they need to uh, be proactive and, and and do it themselves and make it part of the, the culture. I mean, obviously, uh, here at Virgin Pulse, we use our own platform internally, and we, it really becomes a, a culture promotion more than uh, as much as it is health and well-being. So I think if they take that step and realize that, yes, I have to invest in health and well-being, uh, we know it's important, and it's specific around so many different components that are important to people today. So you just mentioned financial well-being. You're right. I mean, um, you know, we've got a ton of millennials in the workforce probably have come have come to work with, with the burden of student loans, and, um, you know, how can we help them with financial well-being, which is, in that particular case, is probably more important to them than maybe activity or nutrition. Um, so being prescript and, and, and having a platform that is very personalized and, and promoting um, the platform to the employees is, is how they have to start it. Right. And I'm sure, David, you know this, that a lot of times when it comes to any type of leadership initiative, right, whether it's uh, promoting emotional intelligence, bringing more empathy to work, being, becoming a better communicator – Often the the advice that's given is don't just say do, right? So obviously one of the things that it's important if we are to make uh, wellness and health a key facet of how we operate comes with us starting with ourselves. So I'm curious from your perspective, what are the things that you find, David, that you're doing that your employees see that shows that you're taking this to to heart yourself and being that role model to show that, look, this is not just something that we're saying we value, but this is something that I'm actually living. And through that, I'm showing that I want you to embrace this in your everyday work life here as well. Sure. Well, there's a couple of things that I'll touch on. Number one, um, health and well-being is a daily activity, and I often use the golf example. If you played golf once a year, you'd never get any better. Um, in fact, if you played golf once a month, you probably wouldn't get any better. And the same with health and well-being, right? You have to do it daily, and everything that we do on our platform brings the employees or the members back on a daily basis. So that's absolutely key. Um, the second thing is this is not a one-size-fits-all. This is not you know, top-down, employer-led. This is uh, a very personalized approach for the employees. So you have to give them uh, a platform and the opportunity to use it as they, as they see fit um, and, you know, reward them accordingly. So it's, it's become more of an employee led or bottoms up approach. Um, and, you know, we, uh, uh, for myself specifically, I, you know, I use our platform uh, every single day. Um, and I, you know, obviously encourage everybody else to use it every, every day. And we offer incentives as, as most employers do. Uh, to the employee base to to come back to the platform on a daily basis and because uh, that's the way they get healthier and that's the way they get 
um, deal with anything health and well-being. Again, whether it's sleep or mental resilience or financial wellness or or just even having a more of a social connection at work. It, a lot of uh, what, what we find now is is yes, the platform is 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 great on health and well-being, but it's also a great way to to uh, distill your culture in the organization as well. So, kind of bridging back to kind of the M&A concept, using our platform ourselves to promote the right culture uh, and culture that we want to to kind of trickle down throughout the organization uh, has become a big part of, of, of health and well-being platforms today, ours included. So, I'm actually glad you brought up the idea that health and wellness should be a daily thing and not something you do on occasion or where and you happen to remember to do it because I have read that your company's approach is built on the research of behavioral scientist Dr. B.J. Fogg, whose work has shown that by taking small daily actions, you can not only change behavior, but actually create those new habits. So how have you applied Dr. Fogg's research on behavioral design, David, and, and use it to drive health and wellness initiatives? Yeah, he's been on our science advisory board for years, and, and everything we do on our platform is really designed uh, based on his his theories and his teachings. And um, and again, to your point, you know, small daily changes turn into turn into habits, and, and that's absolutely critical. And, and that's what drives people back to the platform daily. And uh, usage of our platform is, is is oxygen. So, if you think about um, most health and well-being solutions, get daily usage of about maybe about five to fifteen percent of their members use the platform daily. Uh, so that's that's pretty low, and and um, I, as you could imagine, uh, not great results. Uh, Virgin Pulse, if you look at, our, and we follow the same Dow metric that like Facebook would, for example, um, and of our monthly active users, um, just north of 60% use our platform on a daily basis. In fact, 69% use the platform 21 times a month. If you if you layer that onto social media, Facebook would win this race, but then the next one's Virgin Pulse as a B2B company, right? And then there's LinkedIn and Pinterest and, and all the other ones that my daughter uses that I'm really not too sure about. So um, that is absolutely critical in, in bringing bringing people back to the platform daily, it, like I said, is, is oxygen to us and, and everything we do. And when we develop new products and new features, it, it's with that in mind. Right. So I'm curious, David, because I mean, I'm sure some people are listening and trying to imagine in their day, everyone seems to be like, our agendas are full. It doesn't seem like we have a moment of free time. We're just trying to squeeze a minute here, a minute there. So how have you been able to uh, help people who are using your platform, Virgin Pulse, to find that those moments in their day to actually make time for health and wellness? Yeah, no, great question. What we find is um, the interactions are of like seven, seven to 10 seconds a time. Um, so it's not a ton of time you spend on the platform. And we're finding that most people use it before the day starts and at the end of the day. So you track your daily habits, you you read your daily cards. Most people, like if I look at how I use a platform, for example, I wake up in the morning and I'll read my two daily cards that come in that are specific and offering up content and data that are specific to what I'm looking at or focusing on uh, on that particular month or that particular year or that particular week. Um, so most of our members uh, jump on the platform. And of course, we're very mobile first, mobile friendly. So um, most, of our, most of our members use um, a mobile platform they use it uh, first thing in the morning at the end of the day. So it, it's, not a, it's not a massive time suck, if you will. Right? It's really just you're on it for maybe max about a minute in a day. And, it, and if you can't find a minute, then I think we've got other problems to worry about. Right. And so in that small amount of time, you're actually seeing a shift in mindset and behavior in people who use it. I mean, not, not obviously not immediately, 
but over time that there is an actual impact on their overall wellness and health? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so here's a great example. I wake up in the morning and as soon as my phone or the app syncs to my, um, my Fitbit, uh, I know exactly how many hours I've slept, for example. Uh, as soon as I weigh myself, that's loaded into the app, that syncs to my app as well, and, I, and I've tracked my weight uh, for yet another day. So I can track my weight every single day um, or every week or whatever I want. So a lot of it is automatic. It, it's, it, uh, as you walk around the office, it tracks your steps all day long. So uh, there are some things that you would input manually, and there's some, and there's some areas where you jump on and you read content and, and data that, that's important to you. But uh, again, it's, it's a lot of this uh, it just happens naturally, and uh, it's just an opportunity for you to track what you're trying to track. Yeah, and that's fascinating because, I mean, it really is a, a real-life example of Dr. Fogg's work where he really emphasizes, uh, I think he calls it Baby Steps is his platform where he says how, look, we don't have to take on these huge goals. Like, we just break it down into these bite-sized bits, which, like I said, I believe he calls it Baby Steps. And you would be amazed just by doing that how much you can actually affect a change in your behavior and create these new habits that actually benefit you. So it's interesting to see because I think for some people listening now, they're realizing, wait a minute, we're only talking about a couple of seconds every now and then, and over time I'm going to see a significant shift. I think that really gets people thinking, wow, this is actually something that's quite doable. Yeah, I think that's why you know most news resolutions fail, right? People say, oh, I'm going to you know, lose 15 pounds starting Jan 1, and, and they, they try and big bang it, right? They're going to the gym every day, and they're lifting weights, and they're running, and they're trying to cut down on food, and it, it's just, it's, that's hard to do, and, and usually after three or four weeks, people fall off that wagon, so um, this is the platform that allows you to do, to your point, you know, using BJ Fogg, uh, just do small little bite-sized um, bite actions, they turn into daily routines, and that's um, just, a, that's the way to do it, right? It just, um, it just allows you to be way more successful uh, in, in trying to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And again, it's very personalized. So right now, for example, I'm focused on productivity, right? So I'm trying to not multitask. I'm trying to listen first, um, you know, versus, you know, I'm, I'm less focused today, you know, nutrition because uh, I've, I've kind of conquered that battle uh, over the last three or four months. And you mentioned earlier, too, how this platform has actually also helped you in terms of integrating those seven companies of harmonizing the culture. So I'm curious as to how that, you know, because again, this is all about culture. When you're talking about health and wellness, it's not something that exists outside of your company's culture. It really is going to be nested in it. So I'm curious as to how that played a role in it. Is it because of those little steps and your ability to basically over time consistently communicate your story of what it is you're trying to achieve? Yeah, it's a couple of things, right? Uh, first and foremost, one of our values is live it and breathe it, right? So what we're trying to accomplish is, hey, look, we are a health and well-being company, so you should try and, and strive to, A, use the platform, B, use it the way you need to use it, and just kind of live it and breathe it. Um, our products help uh, align employees around our values, for example. Uh, we encourage people to practice them, recognize them. Um, we get we have shout-outs and so forth uh, on the app that we can just kind of the more peer collaboration and peer recognition, uh, which is important. And uh, that all that all helps with um, just using the platform from a culture standpoint. Uh, we can uh, use the platform to to just promote anything we want uh, internally, whether it's a blood drive or, 
you know, a picnic or again, like our values or a shout out to, to somebody who did something great. We have um, we use our platform to do a monthly MVP uh, and it's a peer nominated um, program that just really focuses on, uh, you know, you get nominated for instilling one of our values or, or, you know, which is which is a great way to just recognize people. And and if you get recognized as an MVP, you uh you get to go to our presence club at the end of the year. Usually presence clubs are just for salespeople that make their quota, but we, we don't do that here. Yes, salespeople that make quota go to presence club, but um, we actually have more non-salespeople there than salespeople. So if you're an MVP winner uh, in, in a given month, then then you go to club. And uh, and so it's pretty exciting. And that those types of things really help drive the culture. We have a, 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 what we call our, our touchstone coin. Um, which is a it's a it's a large coin that, that the executive leadership team have to carry on them at all times. It symbolizes uh, value and, and unity, uh, and it's got our uh, it's got our Virgin Pulse logo on the front. It's got how we hire, hungry, humble, smart. It's got uh, our values uh, around the edge, and then it's got our our five KPIs on how we run our business. Uh, one of which is is how many lives we're changing uh, on any given month, and uh, and that and that coin symbolizes just hard work and, and adding value to the organization and and uh, probably about once a month or, or wh- whenever that time may be if, if we if somebody does something that goes above and beyond the call of duty uh, myself as the CEO I'll hand my coin down to them and, and just you know congratulate them and thank them for their effort so it's little things like that that might seem trite but uh, seem to go a long way the coin is probably the most coveted thing we have in this uh, in this office today and we've got 1400 employees and, and everybody wants one of these coins and we probably have maybe 30-ish in circulation now, and it's it's kind of a fun little game that we play. That's very, very cool. So, David, given how you've helped lead Virgin Pulse to become this industry leader in workplace health and wellness, I'm wondering if you could share some final thoughts on not only why leaders need to make this a long-term priority, and not just a short-term pet project, if you will, but on how they can get started. I mean, we've kind of, I think, made the case in terms of productivity and also profitability but how can they get employees to see they generally want to make the shift to not only improve their work environment, improve their overall sense of well-being, even when they leave work every day? How can we make this shift and make it really stick? Well, I think the why is obvious, right? There's soft and hard ROI. And, you know, we've got employees out there that are that are not overly engaged. And, and we think that the it's obviously related that health and well-being and, and, and healthier people are happier and they show up for work, you know, ready to perform at their peak. And again, following Branson's logic of you take care of your employees first, they'll take care of your business. Um, so that's, I think that's, you know, the why to make it a priority. And, and I think that um, it's just becoming increasingly uh, more and more difficult to hire and retra- retain uh, great employees today. And, and uh, I think if you, that's, a, that's just the low hanging fruit and the way to start. How to get started is, <laughs> you know, real simple. I, I think you go out and buy a great platform like Virgin Pulse and you roll it out to your employees and, and you make it a priority for them and you encourage them to use it. And, and uh, we we figured out a long time ago, you need both extrinsic motivation, meaning give them some sort of incentive to use the platform, which is exciting, but make it, make it gamified enough where they come back on a daily basis. It, it used to be, hey, do your health assessment, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Employee, and I'll give you $500. Um, and that's just super ineffective, and obviously there's zero benefit to that. But if you if you incent them with that same $500, but to use the platform on a daily basis, that's the extrinsic motivation uh, that they're going to need. And and 
candidly, it, it that kind of hooks them or that kind of gets them on the platform to start. Um, what hooks them and, and keeps them there is the is the intrinsic motivation, which is really around the gamification, uh, the social component, doing challenges, uh, and having just a, a, a lot of fun with it. Right? My daughter challenges me to a, a weekend step off uh, every single weekend, of which I lose, by the way. Um, but it's just that that gamification and the fun and the peer acknowledgement uh, and all those components that the platform can be used for. And I, I think that's how you kind of get them started and get them hooked and get them to stay. The sustainability uh, of our platform is amazing. Um, and people just use it for, for years and years and years. And, and, and that's kind of the secret sauce of the whole thing. So that my, that's my advice on how to get started. I got to tell you, I'm just impressed with the fact that we're talking about getting employees to use something just for a few seconds during their day and how, again, just in true form to Dr. Fogg's research, it really can build over time to create this enduring behavioral shift that benefits not just your employees, but as you said, it benefits uh, the organization because when your employees are happy, when they are in a state of uh, mental and physical wellness, the organization benefits as well. Absolutely. And then and that's all underpinned by obviously a reduction in medical costs. And, and the data we're seeing now is we're saving uh, about just north of $1,000 per employee per year. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but if you have a 20,000 employees, that's $20 million. We've just saved the company. So, uh, you know, in addition to getting your employee or helping your employees be healthier, live healthier lives, um, in addition to them being more engaged at work and having more fun at work, we're also saying that, hey, you give us a dollar, we'll give you like seven to 10 back. So uh, the the hard ROI is, is evident as well. And I can't imagine uh, any C-level executive that would not think that's exciting. Well, I think you've just given a lot of hard facts to demonstrate that there is a genuine value to this. So David, I really want to thank you for coming on my show to shed light on this important subject. And I think honestly, you've helped elucidate why leaders and organizations need to recognize their part in helping to address health and wellness, both for the benefit of those they serve, as well as for the organization's ability to continue to succeed and thrive. So thanks, David, for sharing experiences and insights into how we can accomplish this and why it's so important. No problem, Tanvir. Thank you as well. Enjoy talking to you. And that's a wrap for this episode of Leadership Biz Cafe, brought to you by Tanvir Nasir Leadership. Looking for a keynote speaker or corporate trainer for your next event? Then visit our company's website at tanvirnasir.com to find out how we can bring these kinds of insights to your organization, either at an upcoming conference, leadership retreat, or for a corporate training event. And this episode has been sponsored by GoCo. Hiring and onboarding new employees can be time-consuming and tedious, but thanks to GoCo, you can streamline and automate this process to help your employees hit the ground running. And as it can be customized to your workflow, it'll not only help you save time, but avoid any costly mistakes involved in onboarding and employee management. And remember, the best part is you can try GoCo for free with no expiration date and no credit card needed. So go to goco.io slash leadership. That's G-O-C-O dot I-O slash leadership and discover how GoCo can help improve your onboarding and employee management processes. Now, if you have any questions or comments, drop me a note through the contact form on my website. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with a colleague, with your team, or with your boss to allow them to reap the benefits as well. And remember, you can find all episodes of this show as well as links to subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Spotify, and Stitcher Radio, all on our podcast page at tavernaseer.com slash LBC. So if you want to share this podcast with others, that's a great way to do it. And with that, I'm Tavernaseer, and you've been listening to Leadership Biz Cafe.